0: And the volume itself you know is, is huge in its space now as well so to give you an idea um, last year in the UK alone we did over a billion pounds worth of sales and that's in a year of Covid as well so you yeah, know sure. it's, it's not small volumes we're talking about for these advertisers
1: but also the power of the data that they sit on and how they can really drive the relevance and the engagement with the with the brands and the retailers that's incredibly powerful if they get that right
0: None of the none of the browsers and none of that are trying to do it to stop affiliate marketing. They're doing it to stop Facebook tracking everyone, they're doing it to stop, it's a, you know, all yeah. that kind targeting. of stuff. And, um, and yeah, unfortunately, we're caught a little bit in the middle because we use similar technology.
2: Guys, you know your shop. Your customers are shopping at M&S, or you know your customers are shopping at BP. You've got an offer, Surface it, because to your point, James, is the customer doesn't care about the mechanic, the customer cares about the offer
0: a campaign recently for a a very large supermarket. Um, And, you know, the the numbers were amazing, right?
2: Hi, I'm Ian Pringle, and this is the Loyalty Podcast from New World Loyalty. We help you make the most of your loyalty strategies by listening to us talk about what we like to talk about most, which is loyalty and loyalty programmes. In this podcast, we'll explore how merchant-funded offers can boost member collection or even form the basis of an entire programme. To help me with this, I'm joined by two of the world's leading experts in merchant-funded offers and our very own Craig Grimshaw, who has his own stories to tell. So uh, please welcome James Little from Top Cashback. Hi,
0: James. Hey, nice to be involved. Thank you.
2: Thanks for coming along. And uh, James Berry from Collinson. Hi, James. Hey, hi, Ian. And uh, Craig Grimshaw from New World Loyalty. Hi, Craig.
3: G'day, Ian. G'day, G'day Jameses. G'day, G'day, listeners.
2: I know the James bit's gonna be a bit confusing. I think we're gonna have to have, to be have fun. J- J- James Little. <laughs> L- Sorry James. Little and Berry, I think we're gonna to have to go for, <laughs> if you don't mind. So um, to get us started tonight, can we just give a brief introduction to yourselves and and your experience in merchant funded offers? Um, James Little, would you like to start us off?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I am the group commercial director at Top Cashback. Um, so we have become um, one of the world's uh, leading affiliate sites. Um, and I've been there for just over ten years. Um, so, been in the affiliate marketing space for uh, a little longer than that. But I won't say a number because it makes me feel incredibly old. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, as uh, as a business, as I said mainly a pure play um, affiliate site. Um, so, we effectively um, have you know a site full of thousands of merchant-funded offers um and we pass all of that kind of back to our customers um we also have uh, more recently an in-store element as well um as our online um and we've launched internationally so we're quite big in the US now um in China um and uh Germany more recently um we've probably more to come
2: and obviously the UK as well is where you start and the
0: UK sorry yeah obviously the UK is our, our biggest market by far <laughs> brilliant brilliant
1: and uh, James Berry I'm James Berry, uh, Commercial Director of Value Dynamics, uh, which is part of Collinson. Um, I've been responsible for the, the development of merchant funded propositions uh, for Collinson for, for nearly 15 years. Again, won't won't say exact numbers because uh, it, it shows up ages. Um, after initially taking on global affiliate program launches of some of our B2C travel products, um, I then developed solutions for clients across travel and financial services in multiple markets uh, with a focus. Really, on, on loyalty program currency. Um, so, principally earning points and miles through a merchant funded model. Uh, we did actually initially launch with a cashback program uh, for a prepaid credit card provider in the UK, but quickly followed that with, uh, with launches into multiple um, clients in Australia, throughout APAC, including Korea, Japan, Singapore, um, further major programs in the UK and Europe, uh, US, and then most recently in the Middle East. Uh, we offer solutions that utilize in the traditional affiliate performance marketing model, very similar to Top Cashback, um, as well as card linked offers uh, for programs including Virgin Australia, Commonwealth Bank Australia, Singapore Airlines, Asia Miles, Flying Blue, Emirates. Virgin Atlantic, Virgin Red, British Airways, Aer Lingus, Welling, uh, amongst many others. Um, it's, like, it's like Frequent Flyer Bingo there, isn't it? It's <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't get benefits from all, I can tell you that. Um, but supporting both on and offline merchants and partners to gain uh, distribution and prominence through our, our client programmes. And you're talking about raising hundreds of thousands, if not millions, for these companies through merchant funded offers. Yes, it's, it's seen as a... a, a Merchant funded in, in, in name is obviously there to help drive the funding of the, of the consumer proposition, so the, the end user value within that within that dynamic. Um, but it can also be seen as a revenue channel in its own right. And that's obviously a very important element of the proposition. Yeah, yeah.
2: And uh, Craig?
3: Uh, thanks, Ian. And nice to hear uh, the, the background to the other Jameses. Um I've done, I was thinking about the definition of merchant-funded rewards because uh, being in coalition programs, you could almost say they're merchant-funded rewards in a way. But um, about eight years ago, I was involved in a card-linked offer for a, a bank in New Zealand and putting the whole program in play, uh, which was an intriguing um, component looking at the, the, the quality of the data that you get or don't get uh, from through the data uh, through the banking network and the payment network. Uh, through to putting an affiliate mall proposition uh, into the market as well, so uh, had a, a, a variety of um, experiences in the merchant-funded space. Brilliant,
2: and um, and I'm Ian Pringle. I think everyone knows me from the podcast, but I've got you know many years' experience. Um, we're not naming naming numbers in this, but again, I ran the partnership program for Avios and Virgin Atlantic. You know, I've run programs which which bring in over 20 million pounds a year. And as I say, um, Craig, it's it's it, you know some of that is direct funded, obviously, but there's big big elements of that are affiliates. I've worked with affiliates for a long time, card linked offers, and now increasingly open banking. So I think there's there's yeah. there's lots of different mechanics that can be that can be put under the umbrella of merchant funded month funded offers and um yes, yeah, so I think i've I've probably been round the block several times as well on this. So can someone kick us off um, james could you or James little could you give us a quick explanation of what merchant funders are and how they work, the sort of fundamentals of of the moving parts
0: yeah, so I guess um just looking at kind of the online perspective to start with. Um, and via the kind of traditional affiliate programs. Um, so, effectively, um, as I said, we work with over 4,000 retailers in the UK alone. Um, and effectively, we use the affiliate programs um, on affiliate networks such as AWIN or TradeW or CJ, um, or more recently, people like Impact and Partnerize. Um, so, um, effectively, the uh, advertiser goes and launches an affiliate program, and that's not just for cashback and, and loyalty. That's for you know content um, coupons, uh, paid search, you know whatever else it might be, different kind of types of um, of marketing channels. Um, and we you know take those offers, and we put them on our site. We don't keep any of them or any of the ca- any of the commission that we get, but effectively we get paid a commission. So let's say that's um, Booking.com paying us you know ten percent for argument's sake. Um, so we take that 10% commission that they're paying for the sales and then we effectively pass that back to our customer. Um, and um, that's kind of our, our model that's got us to where we are today. So effectively, it's the it's the advertisers paying commission and it's us that take that commission and pass it back to the customer.
2: And, and James Berry, does that work similarly on all around the world? Does does it work culturally and also technically around the world?
1: Yes, yeah, so there's certainly a lot of consistency. I, I, I guess just, just to kind of expand a little bit on how we would position and, and 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 talk to retailers in this model because that there has to be some education particularly as you're going into some of the newer markets and you're educating on, on the opportunity and also the, the mechanics that sit behind it. So it's very much about driving the value that they get from marketing and distribution effectively with no upfront cost. They're only paying on a completed action. Now typically that is for Uh, a a transaction, a sale, so they're paying percentage back for that sale, but there could be other things that that are being rewarded or or, or commissioned on that basis as well. That could be um, a download, uh, an app install, or completion of of data as part of a data collection process. And it's some of those mechanics that we see differently in different markets. Markets like India, it's very much about um, on, on a cost per download or a cost per for app install basis. So so there are some differences by market, but really the core markets as we've seen them from starting in the US into UK and then, and then out to to Australia has has pre- predominantly been driven by the the CPA the cost per acquisition model.
0: Yeah. I think the main difference across the different territories as well is just the maturity of the affiliate channel. Um because like I say a lot of time is getting these offers from the affiliate networks and there are some markets where you know like the uk or like the us it's very mature and near enough every you know advertiser um you know certainly the top you know thousands of advertisers anyway have an affiliate program um uh whereas you know there's some markets that you know that we've looked at but you know it's actually only a very small percentage so there's an educational piece to do um you know to those advertisers and, and actually there's a sales pitch to do to those advertisers in terms of trying to get them on board so i think that's where the the main differences come so the mechanics can be very similar but Um, actually just being able to get the breadth of programs um, to have a compelling proposition to customers is potentially where the difference lies.
2: And is there a maturity too in the in the in the length of time that these things are in the market? Because, you know, affiliate marketing, as I understand it, was almost was invented by Amazon, um, but they don't tend to do it anymore. Um, Is there a sort of time? Is there a time to sell it into merchants and then there's a time to sell it in when they've been there a long time once they've got the established behaviors as well?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'd say that um, Amazon definitely still do do it. Um, So um, there are certain types of sites that they may um, not work with. And there are, um, you know, I think they lowered some of their fees last year, for example, um, kind of post-COVID, I guess, um, which I'm not sure if they've recovered or not. But I'd still say that Amazon probably have one of the biggest affiliate programs in the world still. Um, So, um, yeah, they're they're certainly still out there. But I think in terms of maturity, like, I think it's the nature that it changes and what the advertisers want changes as well. So like I say, I've been in this for a long time and, um, you know, it's gone from maybe starting off about just being about as many sales as possible to them being around understanding the volume of new customers or, you know, what else is there outside of just the sales volume? Are they interested in? And maybe that's increasing AOVs or maybe that's, you know, just looking at different kind of tactics to help understand what they're trying to do as a business. And I think it's matured from that perspective. Um, certainly. I AOV, think also,
3: average order value, just for the listeners. Well, don't say it. Always
0: <laughs> unvalued, Craig. I apologise for the acronyms. <laughs> well, there's there, there's <laughs> going to be a
1: lot of them in the affiliate world, so yeah. Call us <laughs> the out, only reason on the call.
2: And and what do you think that that uh, uh, the, the um, merchant funded offers can bring loyalty programs? So James, I mean, you're you're selling into loyalty programs all all the time. So you know, what do you think the key benefits are?
1: Uh, well, obviously, there's a fundamental principle that you're bringing opportunity, an opportunity for reward based on, 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 on the, the retailers and merchants that your members are shopping with. So there's that immediate connection of, of brand association and, and just connection in and then the offer of a reward. But I think going further than that, um, it, it gives a real opportunity to extend your own program proposition. And and we've had no better example of that than the last 12, 18 months. So we work a lot with travel, travel programs or traditionally travel programs. Um, and obviously, the challenge they've had in the last 12 or 18 months is they haven't been able to communicate and sell travel because no one's travelling. So, being able to extend and have a whole range of of content and retailers and offers and partners that still give them the reason to communicate and provide value to 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 their member base is incredibly powerful. Um, and those that had already baked that into into part of their strategy and part of their a desire to be part of an everyday lifestyle-based program rather than purely focusing on their core product, uh, we're in a very strong position to take advantage of that. Uh, And I think that's how we'll see that, that, that side of the world mature.
0: Yeah we also yeah, have a um, we have a white label business as well and we service a couple of banks for that business and so I think certainly in the, the banking space it's also just to add on to the great stuff that James just said there but it's also about becoming kind of top of wallet for those yeah. banks as well so I think you'll see this a lot more in terms of you know banks launching kind of programs especially with kind of your likes of Monzo's and Revolut's and, and those kind of guys out there now as well for having to you know, become competitive and, and, you know, some of the bigger banks having to compete against them as well. Um, Funded offers that way is becoming, you know, more and more important as well.
3: Sorry, with interchange being continually looked at by the in UK and Europe, it's a different piece because it's been mandated. But in other countries, the interchange rate is consistently being looked at by the regulators, and it's usually downward, never upward. So the desire for emergent funded reward programs certainly comes more and more on the radar under that environment.
2: The other one is to back up your point, James um, Barry, is that in frequent flyer programs, often you know, fifty percent of your base, up to fifty percent of the base, have never transacted with that brand. Yeah. So it's a, so you've got you've created a loyalty program for a brand where people aren't actually buying with that brand, and so yeah. the only way that you're funding that is through either either partners or largely through merchant-funded offers.
1: That's right, but but obviously there has to be something in in, in the program promise or or whatever the, the the target end goal or or that point of appeal of why someone would collect that currency, um, still has to be there. Um, and and these types of propositions and, and and the extensive range of partners that we can we can bring into that dynamic, uh, re- really add value to that. And, and I think that that's that's why it's grown in such prominence and why those who really understand it and make it part of their strategic proposition rather than um, others, naming no names, uh, maybe use it as more of a, oh, it's a me too, I've seen someone down the road who's doing that, so we'll also we'll also have one of those, without really truly buying into it and, and getting the right prominence and promotion behind it. Because this type of proposition doesn't work without the necessary communication and promotion of it, I'm sure. I, right? I
0: would definitely back that
1: up. I would definitely back that up because the analytics I did on it,
2: certainly when i was in a frequent flyer program was that it's actually the more engaged customers that go for this and they and it, and because it's the and that's because it might be ubiquitous and there might be you know there might have loads of brands in there but because the you could almost have an affiliate program with any loyalty program is it actually appeals to and it will be used by the most engaged customers not your least engaged customers so you do have to engage them and hook them in and then sell them and then get them onto the affiliate
1: program was my experience is that do you, does that do you back that up Yes, definitely, and and I'm sure sure you'd, you'd know this as well. But it's also about not just looking at the point of interaction or the point of engagement within this proposition itself, but the long tail impact. What do they then go on to do? What's their future earning redemption behavior off the back of that interaction? Um, and that's incredibly powerful data. And just understanding how engaging people in more collection mechanics or more earning mechanics. Broadening that that connection point just creates a stronger connection into the program. And I think yeah, back to James Little's point on 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 the banking and financial services. Completely agree with that. I guess going the other way, you know, the neo banks and the challenger banks coming in are, are again forcing the more traditional banks to to think. Well, hang on, we we we've got a threat here, and we could be losing share of wallet. And particularly as that comes to a digital wallet and you know virtual wallets, it, it it's it's incredibly important to have a reason to to, to choose a particular um card program or or, or card selection to, to, to make your transactions and anything you can do to to, to get front of mind is is incredibly powerful.
0: Yeah, and, and the volume itself, you know, is is huge in this space now as well. So to give you an idea, um last year in the UK alone we did over a billion pounds worth of sales. And that's in a year of COVID as well, so you know Actually. it's it's not small volumes we're talking about for these advertisers, um, um, you know. So it's driving a, a very large proportion of, of e-commerce sales now. You know, we've been doing TV ads for you know over ten years, um, you know, and that includes on some you know some mainstream channels, and and you know we've continued to do that pretty much consistently for the past ten years. So you know, it's 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 big volume. It's also more mainstream now as well. So um, and you know, so.
2: But do you see yourself competing, James, against other affiliates, or do you think? that people love the program they're in and therefore they'll seek out it. so basically they're being loyal to their currency and then being affiliates or do you do you see yourselves advertising on on TV about trying to people move people from one program to you or actually just trying to acquire new collectors
0: um i think for us it's about acquiring new collectors um so uh realistically like we we obviously have competition in the marketplace but um, from a cashback perspective, um, we're kind of probably double the size, if not more, than than any of our nearest competitors now. So, you know, which is very different from where we were ten years ago when when I joined Top Cashback. So, you know, there's there's you know we we've done a fantastic effort in our marketing to to get to where we are today. Um, so we're you know don't get me wrong, we we're, we're always um, keeping an eye on competitors and and what they're doing and trying to stay ahead of the market. Um, and provide the best you know quality of service for our advertisers and for our customers, and it's really important to us. Um, but I think you know things like the TV advertising is is more for us around acquiring new customers, and you know because even though we've got you know a huge number of of members. Um, Across you know across the UK and and you know across the world now there's there's still a lot of people that you you know I always use the example of saying well, if I walked into a pub and I started talking to people saying no oh, you know do you use cashback or have you heard of top cashback you know there's probably still you know there's definitely more of them now than there were ten years ago that yeah. you know would have would have heard of us but there's still a lot that that don't utilise that that could be saving loads of money at the end of the day yeah and it can be genuinely valuable
1: I mean I've, I've, yeah, I
2: yeah people worth thousands of I've... pounds a year in cashback
0: yeah. um yeah. you know,
1: did, to, to bring that back to the loyalty dynamic as well, and, and Ian, you probably know this in some of the programs you work with. It, that that similar dynamic, you could put a um, you know, hundred FFP members, and then if you asked specifically, "Are you aware of the the earning opportunity through this kind of proposition?" There would still be a big number that that say didn't know they did that, or didn't know that was a part of the proposition, and 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 that's the challenge that we face still. It's about the the prominence and the, the being able to to hit people at the right time um, ahead of making a, a purchase decision, um, and, and being able to influence that, and, and, and ultimately that is part of the promise back to to the merchant network as well and the retailers that participate in this. They need to see incremental value. They need to see the additional um, value being put back through based on 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 the marketing and, and 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 the ability to target this this audience. If they don't see that then they'll start to lose some some uh, some appetite for participating in this kind of program
2: and and moving on from that james um there's, there's many you know there's now at least three big ones you know there's the affiliates this card linked office is now open banking I mean what do you think the challenges and opportunities they face in each of those those are because they all have i mean let's take let's take um affiliates for example you know with the with the talk of cookies and Google and cookies going away is is, the, is it going to be dead in a year's time where, where do we what do we feel about that
0: no, not at all. Um, I think ultimately like it will drive more innovation. So I think it's a good thing for the industry to an extent. Yeah. Um, because you know, there there's always been a certain number of sales that for whatever reason don't track. And we have this massive process where customers can come to us and say, I made this order but it hasn't shown up in my cashback account and we have to go take that to the merchants. And you know, it's it's a very time consuming and, and one of the things that probably, you know, means that it's more difficult for competitors to launch in the market as well, I guess, right? Um and because it's always relied on cookies, actually, you know, with the the move away from cookies or third-party cookies, certainly, um, you know, anything that is the drive towards improving tracking and, you know, because I think, you know, I wouldn't like to say that um, that innovation hasn't happened in a channel from a tracking perspective, but realistically, like, a lot of the technology that, you know, up until now has been, or up until recently anyway, has been used has been the same as what it was, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Um, so I think, you know, being forced, you know, or some of the affiliate networks being forced to actually have to find other ways of tracking sales and better ways of tracking sales will actually hopefully improve overall um, the industry because actually it means that, you know, some of those ones that are dropping out won't happen anymore. Um, I think going to your question around um, card linked for example, and open banking, um, I think the main change there from what we've seen, because we do a bit of card linking um, as James Berry, it'll be interesting to, to hear his perspective. Um is, is a lot of it is just getting the retailers on board. Um, you know, I think what the affiliate networks have done because they've been around for so long, is like I say, near enough every, you know, large merchant has an affiliate program. Um whereas um you know, Card Linked, um it's a much more difficult sell. Um because number one, you don't get as much data. Um so you know, all you can really generally see, and there's some there's some changes in this and some advancement in technology, don't get me wrong, but what you can generally see from a merchant perspective is a sale happened at this date on this time. You know at this store potentially but you can't see what they've purchased and returns are very difficult um to monitor at, at times um and there's lots of challenges within that space and then also there's like where's the budget going to come from um mm. you know with affiliates it's online sales with card linking it can be a bit of both um but you know they you know one of the challenges that we found is saying well when we've got a match and wants to do it they're saying you know we have a lot of online contacts and they're saying well i don't think this comes out of my budget because you're driving sales in store and but then, you know, I remember I've had conversations with some merchants in the past and I say, oh, well, have you spoke to your in-store team? And like, oh, I wouldn't even know who to speak to, you know, yeah, not yeah. in the same building. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, that's that's definitely been a, a challenge. and I think will continue to be so. And I think that's where the, you know, some of card linking is, is it's definitely advancing and we're getting more merchants on board. Don't get me wrong. But I think, you know, over the years um, that card linking has been around, that has been the biggest challenge.
2: Certainly a very common challenge. I mean, I've, I've, if you want to do an affiliate deal, they just say, oh, I'll just speak to the guy in digital marketing. And of course he knows what's up. What's but if you get to card linking, it's like, because there's all these challenges, you have to speak to the marketing director. And then as soon as that happens, good luck with that conversation because you're not going to get hold of him for months, let alone um, if he wants yeah, to speak I to mean, you.
1: I think that that is starting to change. I think, I think the forward-looking retailers um, do see that, actually, it, maybe it's a continuation of a performance marketing channel. And, and actually give that budget and ownership and decision making process into that they can then holistically look at, at at how that's being driven from a single budget um and we've certainly seen some advancement in in, in that space um but other, other than that it, it really is the hard yards out in the street you know it's 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 having the right people having the right conversations and it's it's back to the education piece um the beauty of the affiliate marketing model is that you know, the programs existed the budgets existed the mechanics existed and it was relatively easy to plug into. You could almost start with fairly passive relationships. You just get accepted onto a program, and 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 you're off and running. With this one, you need to be having the right conversations. You need to have the right selling and the right the right value story behind it to 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 get that buy in. And um, and 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 that's time and effort, but but hopefully the payback's there
0: yeah but then there's there's also the deduplication you know, because how do you stop a customer using their bank card and still using top cashback for argument's sake yeah and there's no match up between that relationship at the moment as well, so um you know there's 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 a long way for that' to come and and you know we we've you know we've invested in card linking for a number of years um you know back to the days when we were p c i you know level one compliant and you know I'm sure you may well appreciate how, how difficult then uh, yeah. that can be yeah. to do, right? So um but yeah, and I I definitely see I, I definitely agree. Like there there are more um merchants that are getting involved, but but realistically, you know, you look, you know, eight years ago or so when we started doing gardening, it's not many more. Um so you know, that is gonna be the big challenge and um like I say, I think we are seeing some some great advancements. Then COVID happened and you know, we're certainly looking at you know, install Marfa Card Link and then all the still shut down. So yeah. um you know, but, but yeah, but I think yeah, you know certainly didn't um, help,
2: did it, the fact that um COVID shut all the as you know, Cardlink offers works best in, in bricks and mortar and for a year has yeah. been shut and, and hopefully it'll be it'll come back. But there are some there are some fundamentals need to be uh, need, need to be sorted out and and open banking maybe maybe some of a solution to that but i think the thing with with card linked and open banking is what one solves some problems and the, and it just causes others so you know i think there's again quite a lot of water to go under that bridge i think
3: i'm just think it uh, had... intrigued on um the comment uh, about the technology piece with the uh, affiliate networks because uh, as uh, james little said the technology hasn't been looked at for a while and with the cookie change policy change how do you see the the networks responding to that in a bit more detail i'm intrigued on that because there's always been an issue with tracking the the transaction sometimes and whether the transaction flows through and and having been involved in implementing an affiliate more um and dealing with the networks the technology hasn't been that flash how do you see that the work they're doing and have you got a bit more uh, definition of what's being done
0: so um there is a lot of advancement right so um, the the main thing around cookies though is the lack of reliance on or what is going is third party cookies right um, now. I'm not a massive tech person, so excuse my ignorance when I get any of what I'm about to say wrong. Um, but ultimately, um, disclaimer. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Um, but ultimately, like I think effectively, the, the cookie itself used to live on the domain of you know the affiliate network. Let's call that AWIN, just using them as an example, yeah. right? Um, so AWIN would used to say, we've got this cookie, it's AWIN. And then when it got onto the confirmation page on the merchant site, it would look and say, does the AWIN cookie exist? Yes or no? Read the details from it, away you go. That's the thing that's being shut down. Yeah. Um, but effectively, what the networks have, or you know, most of them, if not all of them, have done now is they've found alternatives to that by using first-party cookies. Um, And what first-party cookies do... Um, is they say, instead of it being an A-Wing cookie, let's say it's on Boots, for argument's sake, let's pick a retail. Um, instead of it being an A-Wing cookie, it'll be a Boots cookie. Um, so found technology that they can place on the advertiser site, generally, that allows it to create that, that cookie, um, and then it's first-party instead. And that isn't blocked, and that isn't what right. Google getting rid of. Um, now, that still has its own challenges, because there's still certain parts of ITP that, you know, for example, that block first-party cookies after a set period of time. So gone are the days where you can have a... Thirty day, sixty day, you know, three hundred and sixty day cookie. Um, you know that that's out the window. Um, and and you know, and there will be more challenges because you know, especially Apple pushing this quite a lot. And affiliate marketing has got caught in the middle a little bit. Like none of the none of the browsers and none of that are trying to do it to stop Philip marketing. They're doing it to stop Facebook tracking everyone. And they're doing it to stop it's some, you know, yeah. you know, it's all that kind of stuff. To. And um, and yeah, unfortunately, we're caught a little bit in the middle because we use similar technology. Um, but I think you know. I think what I am confident around is that um, there will be workarounds, and there'll be continued workarounds. Um, and you know, like I say, I think it has forced innovation with the networks to actually say, "Well, you know, first-party cookies should track better at the end of the day because yeah. they won't get caught up in." You know, there were still some networks that were getting the cookies caught up in you know in um, antivirus checks and stuff like that, for example, and that won't really happen anymore. So. It's it's definitely bought improvement, but there's still a long way to go, and I'm still there's, I'm sure there's still tech challenges ahead. Certainly,
1: yeah. And I think I think just to add to that again, with the with the same tech disclaimer, um, but but other other provisions for for being able to track the sale will be things like you know, fingerprint tracking, so building a profile of someone across across devices, um, cookieless tracking, server to server type tracking. So there's plenty of mechanics out there. But I think as James said, none of them are 100% perfect, but we'll see probably the accelerated evolution and, and continuation of some of those. And yeah, affiliate marketing, we've both been in it for for a number of years. There's always something that comes along that says, oh, it's, you know, affiliate marketing is going to be dead because of X. Okay. It, it's very, um, very resilient. It's very nimble and it continues to evolve and innovate and, and it will definitely still be around to answer your question here. Yeah,
2: and 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 is is card linked offers an answer? So I see an increasing number of of online retailers turning up in card linked offers. What what do you think the problem that's solving for them?
1: I think. Look, I think one of the challenges. If we step back from all of this, I mean, affiliate marketing is great. We could we could talk about it all day long. Some of the card linked and and open banking technology is exciting. But ultimately the customer doesn't care about any of that. They yeah. want it to be simple, they want to be able to understand it, and they want whatever the promise is, whether it's cashback or rewards, to be available to them as soon as possible. Any points of friction, any points of delay that, that 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 causes anything not for that not to happen creates uncertainty. Um so I think I think it's much more about working through look, we just gotta drive the customer to take an action. The mechanic of tracking that that that's got to be the enabler not the focus of the proposition itself and i think card linking and card linking being also the ability to track online activity as long as there's some of the mechanics and dynamics around the attribution and and the deduplication and again if you've got everything in the same program there's more ability and power to do that so i think that's where the emphasis and the focus will come it'll be working on the data uh, working much more closely to understand where that crossover and, and duplication sits, but ultimately to achieve two things. One is to be able to demonstrate the value back to, to the merchant. Ultimately, they're paying for this. And B, it, it, it's the, the 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 value and the promise to, to the consumer that they are being rewarded for the action that they were asked to perform.
0: Mm. I think the other thing as well, though, is going back to your question over was it solved. Um, I think for... You know, we have seen kind of more, even the affiliate networks get involved with card linking now and you would say, well, why are they doing that? They've got their own tracking technology. I think what it solves for them is I think there are certain new types of publishers that are using only card linking um, and, and the banks and the neo et etc is a good example of this um, that say, I don't want to use a link that a customer has to click on. I want you know, them to just get the cash back. Um, now, uh, I would uh, query how... Incremental, that is going back to James's point earlier on. Um, and I think that question will certainly be coming for a lot of people because you can see, you know, um, there are some large um card thinking providers who you know don't have any form of activation, for example, or any form of the customer having to just put their cut their details in once and then getting cash back a- by surprise. Activation Meaning, um, you, you click a they have to click to, meaning, yeah. yeah, exactly, yeah. or click to save the offer runs their card or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. people like Amex do that quite well, but there's some that don't. Um, and I think that is a, you know, they're, they're, you know maybe if it's a targeted offer only available to certain customers, there are some reasons why that can be a, a good thing. But I do think like there are question marks over that. And I think that is something that um will, you know, it's still quite immature. And I think there'll be question marks, you know, from advertisers as so that continues. But I think going back to the point I was making though, that what does it solve is it means that, they can hopefully find an area or the affiliate networks will find an area of the market they're not currently cover off that can potentially provide some really good volume and some really good commissions because the network generally will make money, you know, when sales happen as well. So they're looking at ways in which they can, you know, get involved in there and not lose that to another channel um, and, you know, to try and, you know, keep that within the affiliate space, um, which I think is the right thing to do. Um
2: it is the right thing to do. I do struggle with it with the neo banks, though, because you need to you need to get critical mass. If I'm a, if I'm a publisher, I want my offer to go to as many people as possible. And if I'm publishing on multiple neo banks, I just have to accept that there's going to be duplication in there until someone can solve that duplicate problem. And I don't want to go on about that, but I, I know I think it's a it it's kind of waiting. I think it's it's waiting to reach critical mass. And if it reaches critical mass, it'll have to solve some 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 pretty fundamentals.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I think I think you could do a whole podcast on that. Uh, on, on maybe on, you should. Maybe you should on card linking. Um, <laughs> but I guess to, to to kind of broaden it again to the to the merchant funded proposition, as long as you're able to demonstrate the value, and I think I think you're right. It's, it's about the tipping point. It's about creating enough volume that you create a need to be part of it, and it almost becomes a, a, an obvious choice from a marketing channel and and, and distribution perspective. Yeah. Step. If you look back back a few years and some of the the the, the challenges around some of the cashback and 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 loyalty currency uh, rewards models, it would be well. Hang on, we're doing all the hard yards here. We're doing all of the marketing. And someone's just coming along and grabbing the last click, and, and then we have you know we have to, to, to pay the commission on that. Um, but that misses a point. I think because ultimately it becomes you, you get the right critical mass. If you're not part of that, you are absolutely missing out on sales because your competitor down the road is doing it, and. Cardlinking hasn't quite reached that critical mass yet and i think once 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 that's achieved that's where you'll see a tipping point and you'll see much much greater participation and that will also blend into you know, the the online to offline uh, marketing and omnichannel marketing challenges that the retailers are having that they're, they're having to look at this in a different way that the challenge of the high street is completely different to what to what it was in the past and that's been accelerated further again for the last 12 18 months i think we'll see a much more open um access or, or 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 potential for this as a as a way of driving volume and driving footfall. Um and in doing that I think it will be much more open to how that's uh, consistent across all all of the, uh, the the channels.
0: Yeah. I think the potential is certainly there. Like we did a, a campaign recently for a a very large supermarket. Um and you know the the numbers were amazing, right? Um and um, yeah, you know, I think they were they were very happy with the the output of it. So, um, you know, there's, there were still challenges around you know what's a online transaction versus an in store transaction, and how you delve through banking data to get that is is yeah. a fun piece in in itself, right? But, um, but yeah, I think that you know it certainly showed us that you know if you can get the offer right, and you can get the you know and you can get it to a wide enough um, base of users, then you know there's there's some great opportunities there.
1: Yeah, in- interesting James, view on this as well because. The experience we've had, yeah, the, the affiliate channel generally tends to be, here's our kind of commission structure and the message is just more sales. What just drive more and more and more. The more you drive, the more more, more budget we can unlock and, 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 and that's all good. And, and it generally runs perpetually. So sometimes there'll be times where they hit budget caps or, or, or end of year and they might have to pull back for a period of time. but generally it's an always on proposition. What we've seen with some of the the uh, card linking um, approaches has been: we'll test it, we will run it for a period of time. It will be a limited budget. Once the budget spent is gone, you know, it's literally a, 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 a capped a, a capped approach. It's that kind of mentality and and that that, that, that understanding of this is a this is a long term long tail benefit and proposition that that that's the bit that needs to change. As as a, as a
2: publisher, I got bitten by that. We had we had offers that were just too too good or too too popular. And then the budget was blown and we had to pull them. <laughs> yeah. And pulling them mid season is bad.
0: I think you're right. I think the maybe part of that as well is I've seen that in general the card linked offers can be more generous than the online offers. Um as the always on offers. So when they've when they have tested um some of these offers, we found that they can be, you know, they can be some great rates for customers. Um and you know, that isn't something that necessarily is something they're gonna be able to maintain for for a long time. Um yeah, I think there's I think there's lots of other problems though. Like I, I, you know, so, so to give an example, I think that there have been there have been offers that have come through the back door of things like gift cards and stuff like that, for example. Yeah. Um which I think is doing a huge damage to the industry. Um and you know, there's, you know, um you know, we won't go into the details of, of any of it, but I think that um that is, is still raw in a lot of um advertisers' um yeah. mine as well. And and you know, and even, you know, I spoke to one advertiser recently and said, But you're live on this other platform and they're like yeah we know but we don't know how we don't know where that money's coming from you know they didn't even know internally because it was coming it's from true. a b2b team right so you know th- that's why the industry in in that respect is still is still very mature and 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 really needs to needs to change soon because that that will cause long term issues where you know some of these merchants will will have a bad experience and and not want to get involved again
1: yeah i, I agree i mean i, I, I probably know Know, know that reference well as well. I but, think we all know who we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but no, it, it's a, it's the approach. This is a partnership. This is a partnership model at, at the heart of it, and you have to respect therefore all of all of the constituent parts that that, that, that make that up. If you get that balance right, and and you create the right to dynamic value exchange, then 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 that's when that's when you're going to win um, in the long term, and and everyone will will see the benefit and and and. The upside of, uh, of this type of proposition, um, the mechanics, the the technology behind that, they they may well evolve and change, but the fundamentals of it being a partnership-led approach um, w- will not change.
2: So, what would your advice be for someone else running a program, either running a program by themselves, James, or running a program as a, to, to having as car, with with merchant funding offers as part of the proposition? What would your single piece of advice be to um, to help them out?
0: Well, don't do it. You know, to get all the customers to come across top cashback, obviously. But, <laughs> but, um, but you've got
2: white labels. So if you're, if you're advising one of your white labels clients, what would you say to them, Joe's?
0: Yeah, I think look, I think at the end of the day, like I think if it's something like going out there, they need to they need to understand like the right proposition and what they're going to be providing for those customers. And this is what we talk about to the white labels. We say look, at the end of the day, like when you look at you know, our own proposition at Top Cashback, for example. Like we're paying all that commission back to the customer. So saying, you know, if you're gonna, you know, you know, partner up with us and, you know, we you know, what are you gonna be paying back to the customer? And like why would a customer go through you and not go through, you know, Top Cashback or or, you know, there are other cashback sites out there, obviously. Um, you know, so it's about understanding that proposition, understand like what what have you got to offer your customers that's gonna make them, you know, run this can by via you and is that because they're not educated? Is that because you know, around these other sites because they're not online savvy, for example, or whatever else, or is it because actually, you know, this is something that you can give them compelling around payment speeds, or you know, whatever else it might be. Um, so, I think it, for me, it's about trying to understand actually, like, you know, how can they compete, and what are they going to do that, you know, that you know, provides a different experience.
2: And uh, Craig, would you what would you add to that? What, what would you what would you give advice to your clients?
3: Uh, the the thing I look at is it provi- depends. Again, dependent upon the client um, and dependent upon the uh, regionality of the client as well. That's a disclaimer. The um, I'd be looking at how you use it to en- enhance engagement into the, into your, particularly in a loyalty program context, or in an employee engagement context. We in, in a loyalty uh, program context, you go, you can suddenly enhance your engagement with your customers, whether it's your, your most engaged or whether it's trying to get that long tail more engaged with what you're doing. long as you communicate to them how you can use a um, particularly a cashback program and more and convert the cash into a a points proposition there you you muddied the water and then you've added the coalition um added to the coalition piece in the employee employee space i was thinking about how you can use the coupons as a proposition to add be be a benefit layer into an employee program and so they're just two different models in this
1: yeah james to, to build on what I said earlier on, really, it, it, there is a, a real difference between those who really understand this as part of a strategic pillar of a program and then put the right the, the right investment behind that, whether that's comms, whether that's integration into their own channels, whether that's even now owning the owning product and, and the product front end itself. Uh, we, we have a mix of programs now that operate either, we effectively are operating the, the, the site and front end on, on client's behalf, or we're de- delivering it via a headless api approach and then they have the power and control to to really own that within within their existing customer experience and i think where that's happening we're we're seeing real upside if you just bolt it on at the back end and expect it to work it, it, it's not going so to fun. that that, that yes. that's 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 where the challenge will be so i think to take that further the forward looking view is about what is going to drive this what what is it that that, that we can unlock and yeah, I think it's really interesting that the the, the cashback and this kind of loyalty currency model they they actually work fairly well in, in 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 the same in the same model. I don't think there's a huge crossover of the audience within within those. Yeah, cash is king, but these program currencies and 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 the opportunity they have behind that, but also the power of the data that they sit on and how they can really drive the relevance and the engagement with the with the brands and the retailers. That's incredibly powerful if they get that right. If they can commit to to the communication and the marketing based on targeting specific profiles of people, that's where the real value is.
2: And and that was my piece of advice. So my piece of advice would be, when I've been working at frequent flyer programs, I've done the analysis where you look at the top top twenty top twenty brands on their co-brand, so that you know that their shoppers are shopping at those brands, and yet it would take you five ten clicks to go and find that brand and yep. down different rabbit holes. And I've just said. Guys, you know your shop, Your customers are shopping at m and or you know your customers are shopping at BP. You've got an offer, surface it, because to your point, James, is the customer doesn't care about the mechanic, the customer cares about the offer. Yeah. So, program managers think about the channel, they think about card-linked offers and affiliates. I say don't, think about the brand and serve that up, and exactly. then tell them how they get it. Don't do yeah, it yeah. the other way around.
3: Exactly. Yeah. No, totally agree. And definitely agree on the communications. Def, you just got to communicate, communicate, communicate. And the challenge I had uh, with one client was uh, they we put the model in, um, they liked the the concept of the model, had it going, and then the fight was getting awareness within the email uh, newsletter out to their customers to raise the awareness of them all. And as a result, they said, Oh, we're not getting enough value going through it. So we're going to get rid of them all. You go, man, that's just a short sighted approach on it. Yeah.
1: I think I think the other thing, yeah, we touched on the fact that technology, ultimately, these are technology platforms or, or technology solutions. Technology is an enabler; it's not the solution in itself. And I think we see a lot of people come into the market or, or have a bit of new tech, and people get distracted by a new shiny thing. That's that's human nature. But actually, look beyond. Look beyond that. Look at a holistic view of the customer experience. James touched on it earlier on. It's, it's not something you necessarily want to talk about every day and some of the operational detail and nitty-gritty, but claims management and managing the customer experience beyond that first point of interaction is incredibly important. Um, and just being delivering customer excellence across every single touch point, there are many, many things that are layered into that. And I think it, it does make it, 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 it's a very simple proposition and, and, and relatively simple to build a bit of tech that does it. But to get into the complexity of delivering that excellence across the touch points is, is very difficult. And I think there are real barriers to entry as a result of that. Perfect. Well,
2: on that on that point, I'd just like to say thank you very much to my guests tonight. So thank you very much, James Little.
1: No worries. Thanks for having me. And thanks, James Berry. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Ian.
2: And thanks for getting up early in the morning, Craig Grimshaw.
3: No worries at all. Thanks, everyone. Thanks.
1: And if you like the
2: podcast, please like, share and comment using the hashtag loyaltypodcast. And uh, thank you for listening and, uh, and goodbye.